Look, we're going to, if you have your Bibles, you want to turn to Genesis chapter 1. Um, we're going to take some time uh, this morning in a, in a very quick, I hope, abbreviated fashion uh, to, to really look at just the doctrine of life. Why does God love life? What, what, is, what, is, what is it that we're to see in Scripture that helps us understand what God has done in giving people life? Why are we so fervent? Why are we so passionate about protecting the unborn? And not only being pro-birth, but, but pro-life in a holistic manner. What does Scripture say about that? So we're going to look this morning at some, some and we're going to be all over the place in both the Old and the New Testament to, to look at some theological foundations of life. Um, but I do want to start this morning, even prior to getting to Genesis 1, uh, look, there's a sobering reality about what Jennifer described that even in a room like this, that, that one in four of us would be directly affected. And I'm so thankful, Shailene, for, for your encouragement and just your transparency and just sharing your story with us. Because here's the reality. There are, there are those of us in this room that have been directly affected by abortion. There are people who have, who have lived out who have enacted, who have participated in, who've been affected by abortion, okay? We do want to say this again and proclaim this very boldly and very clearly. That there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And, and I, there I just candidly are two types of people here. There are those of you who have walked through that and, and, and maybe have confessed that sin uh, and have experienced repentance. But I, I, I do know, or, and true freedom, forgiveness. Uh, but I do know that the enemy will continue to attack you. He'll continue to tell you, as Shailene mentioned, that, that you are not his, that God couldn't love you, that what you've done is, is not able to be atoned for, and that is a lie. It is not true. Um, and there are those of you who have perhaps walked through this and, and you don't, you haven't experienced a lack of condemnation. You haven't seen freedom from condemnation or shame because you don't know Jesus and you, you haven't come to know Jesus Christ. This would be my personal ask. And, and I would pray that, the, that as the spirit works on your heart and convicts you that, that you would come find me after this service, that you would text me, that you would call me, that you would get connected to someone in the community group, that you would see the image of God in someone in this place and say, that person looks like they know this Jesus, and I'm going to go talk to them. That that would be your actionable step. Um, I do want us to look at this scripture in First John. We just walked through a series in First John called The Gospel is Love. Came to a deep understanding of the fact that we've been called to believe in the gospel, that we live in the reality of the gospel, that we participate in gospel life, and we're called to live that out. Uh, so this is First John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So sinner, sinner saved sinner, to, to, to save sinners, here's the thing. We recognize that we sin. That we fall short of God's glory. That we fail to love him with our whole hearts. And we can confess that, particularly in relation to this issue. 
Um, but I would urge you to confess your sin this morning, if that's where you find yourself, and experience the forgiveness that comes from God justly forgiving you, and he can justly forgive you because of the life, death, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. It is now just for him to forgive you. And then, as we said a moment ago to experience this, this is Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. If this is your story and you are in Christ, there is no condemnation for you. Um, We're going to talk at the end of the service about an actionable step to take to walk through that recovery uh, that Shailene mentioned. Um, Genesis chapter 1. It's where we're primarily uh, going to be today. Or actually, it's just more of the anchor text. Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 21. And we're going to read through verse 31. Seems like a little bit of a peculiar place to start in this passage, but there's some reason for it. So here's where we are. Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 21. And it says this. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed its fruit. You shall have them for food, and to every beast of the earth, and every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw that, saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, here's here's the, the, the anchoring point of this passage, obviously, is that God makes man in his image. And when we say man, we mean male and female who created them, that, that, that mankind, that humanity is created in the very image of God. Life has intrinsic value because God has created life in his image. God has created life in his image. I'll just give you a, a small illustration of how I experienced this in a common grace, normal way, and I think you do too. Uh, just throughout your life. All right, we have, we have two little girls, and so often we'll interact with them and we'll just stop, and they'll, it, it, whether they do something hilarious or whether they do something silly or whether they do something that is, how do we say this kindly, challenging, right? Um, where we just can't help but stop and, and look at them, and we just tell them we love them. Just stop and just tell them we love them and affirming them for who they are. Why does that happen? Because those kids will look at us often and just 
not understand why we're saying that to them. Specifically, I'll look at Millie and I'll just be like, I'm just so proud of you. And she'll look at me and be like, what did I do? I didn't do anything. Do you know why I can have that sentiment toward her? Because she exists. She just exists. She just exists. God has created each of us in his image. Now, I think just very clearly, there's the challenge of the brokenness of sin. When sin enters the garden and, and sin enters and affects the world, there's a marring, there's a distortion. From a righteousness perspective, we don't bear the likeness of God, but yet we still retain in a very physical way the image of God. This is Genesis chapter 9 and verse 6. Genesis 9 Six. This is, this is God speaking to Noah, and he says this, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. The point of reading a verse that is as strange as this is, look at that last line. It says, For God made man in his own image. You have to remember that this is after the fall. This is after the fall, and yet we recognize that humanity still has intrinsic value, has real value Because God is the creator of all of us. How special is it that God has created us and endowed us with faculties and loved us? When we read that passage from Genesis this morning, we started in verse 21. And we're talking about sea creatures, and we're talking about oceans full of large things, and we're talking about skies filled with these webbed wings, these these, these winged birds, right? Right? Why are we talking about those things? There's something really, really important at the start of creation that we see here. It's incredible. God looks at these things. And in verse 22, we see this. God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply. God blessed his creation. That's verse 22. But you look down into verse 28 and you see something markedly different. It's this. It says, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. There's something really unique and very powerful that we see in this moment. God creates animals, creatures. He creates these things, and he pronounces a blessing over them. And he pronounces a blessing over his people that he creates. But he goes a step further. It says, and God said to them. And God said to them. What does that mean? Here's what it means. God has created us for relationship with him. He speaks to us. He recognizes us. He sees us. We are meant to have relationship with God the Father. When does that happen? When does does life begin? That's going to be one of the biggest questions that you and I face as we we talk about this issue, as we confront the challenge that that the world would place on us. A broken world would say that abortion is, is a choice. 
that it is something that, that we need to leave up to people, that, that we need to leave alone, right? That, that I, look, the reality is, is that the church of which we're a part, and, and frankly, our faith is being attacked. And I don't just mean this, and, and hear me when I say this, I don't mean this in a political sense. I mean by real people in a real world from the enemy. The enemy is saying that, that, that this is just, you, you've got to do what's best for you. Where does life begin? When does it start? Why would we go to 20 weeks? Some people think life isn't, isn't, doesn't even happen until birth. They would go that far with abortion. Others would maybe walk it back and say, well, well was heartbeat six weeks? So that, maybe that's when. What about conception? Does life begin at conception? Um, I want to go a step further. Let's look at Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Jeremiah 1, verses 4 and 5. This is the call of Jeremiah, and this is what it says. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. When did life begin? Before we ever knew. Before we ever knew life. Ephesians 1 would say that we've been predestined from the foundation of the world. That our life was known not just before our parents knew us. But from the foundation of the world. God has given that depth of value to life. This is Psalm chapter uh, 139, verses 13 through 16. And many of you know these verses. The Psalm of David says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. It is God who knits us together. It is God who has created us. It is God who has foreknown us. Life has value. And we're called to protect and preserve and care for life. What does that look like in the life of the church? This is James chapter 1 and verse 27. It says this. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. This is what it looks like to live out the gospel, to believe in Jesus Christ, to be a part of community in him, to live in that gospel and to live it out, is to care for orphans and widows. And this book of James that is written to these churches in this very specific area, there, there was a crisis of orphans and widows. And, and our church, uh, thankfully, is a part of ministries that care for both of these. But in a very practical sense, when we read orphans and widows there, in our day and age, we can see it as the unborn. 
Because orphans and widows really refers to this group of people that Jesus would call the least of these. The least of these. When we look at Matthew's gospel, this is what we find. Um, You talk about moments of deep gravity. Jesus is describing the last judgment. Jesus is describing the last judgment, and this is what he says. This is Matthew chapter 25, verses 34 through 40. Then the king will say to those in his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you? Or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. We're called to be, and I mean this in the sense that Double Oak Community Church in Chelsea, we're called to be a church to the least of these. But that's, that's because we're called universally as God's church. To be people who serve the least of these, to minister to the least of these. And, and, and very practically, we think of the least of these as those who have either a poverty of resources or a poverty of relationships. We think of them as those who maybe came from a, a less than stellar socioeconomic background. They, they came from a place where uh, they had life circumstances that were challenging. In a very clear and practical way... Jesus is talking about this in the passage, but we can look at the whole of Scripture and we can also see that you and I are the least of these. Do you know why you and I are the least of these? Because we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Dead. Where we came from, our background, what we had or what we didn't have did not define us. What defined us is that we had sinned. We had a broken relationship with God, and yet he has restored it through the life, death, and resurrection of his son. And now we get to experience abundant life in Christ. That's what we get to experience. That's what we get to live in. How are we going to be a part of ensuring that future generations, that other people get to partake in that abundant life? The eternal life that is knowing God, experiencing him and his son, Jesus Christ. How are we going to help the world take part in that? What are we going to do? All right. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to do just that. To many of us, that doesn't sound like an actionable point. Because I, I would say, here's what I believe that, that a number of us, all of us, frankly, tend to do. We see this issue as such as one where some of us may vote in this direction. We might, we might vote in support of this issue. Some of us may put out a post. Or we might retweet something. Or we might put a thumbs up on it. Or we might put a heart on it. Or we might comment on it. And God is calling us to more. He's calling us to more. He's calling us to pray, to genuinely seek his face, 
that people would experience life. Physical life that gives them the opportunity to have spiritual eternal life. God's calling us to do that. So Wednesday, we're going to fast and pray as a church. That's what we're going to do. And there's going to be resources that we're going to talk about this morning that you're going to be able to grab uh, from the table outside. There's going to be resources for you to, to, to understand, hey, how do, I, how do I pray? How do I fast for this? And then we're also going to go practically, we're going to go walk Saturday. Um, you need to know that, that I'm, and Jennifer, I'm so thankful for the way that you articulated just what that day will look like. It's a time of guided prayer. Here's the thing. Our staff has already done this. We've gone and experienced this prayer walk. Uh, we did it on a Tuesday. It's even going to be more safe on a Saturday. Um, here's what I would encourage us to do genuinely. To go and be a part and to pray that God would end abortion. To take light and take it to the darkness. Because you know what that darkness looks like? It looks new and shiny and stellar and clean. And to the untrained eye of someone who goes in crisis, it looks trustworthy. That's what this place looks like. Under cover of darkness in a year where the world told us that we couldn't go anywhere, we could build a Planned Parenthood in downtown Birmingham. That ought to sicken us. It ought to sicken us. The enemy didn't take a break. He continued to try to steal and kill and destroy. And so we're going to go pray and be a part of that. Now, look, it's on Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 1030. And I told the first service this, and I think they believe me. I love college football as much or more than you do. I promise. The games don't start till 11. And the ones that matter don't start till later. But... Here's the thing. It's not just college football. You've got other stuff to do Saturday. And I understand that there are going to be mitigating circumstances that would allow you not to come. You might have a family engagement that you can't move from or, or, or whatever. But here's what I would really, and I mean this seriously, and this is challenging for me to say. I don't like confronting people on stuff that I think are positive things, but I want to give you, there's good this Saturday, and then there's a best. I truly believe this, Okay. Look, your kid might have a game Saturday morning. You might have a, a ball game. All right? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to skip the game. I want you to skip the game and come show your child that we're going to pray that God would give life so that this kid that's unborn could go and play a game one day. All right? That's a big ask. I know it feels like a big ask. But we're talking about eternal opportunities here to take part in. True opportunities, right, to go and pray that God would do amazing things. Well, you might say, well, I could pray for the, from the comfort of my home. Yes, absolutely you can. Let's go be together. Let's go live in community together and pray that God would do incredible things and that he would give life, that he would restore life, that he would protect life. And I want to show you um, this morning in, in, in two Old Testament scriptures uh, as we prepare to close the power of prayer, and ultimately that prayer is action. 
Uh, you'll remember that this summer we walked through a series in Ezra and Nehemiah. Uh, this is Nehemiah chapter 1, the beginning of Nehemiah. When we, when we look at the book of Nehemiah, we find one God has called and burdened to go and repair the gates, the walls that surround the temple. This is Nehemiah 1, and, and, and this sets up the story of what happens. It says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, now it happened in the months of Hislev that in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, The remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days and continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. A couple of very specific things here. All right. Nehemiah, rather, is very concerned with the wall, but what he's more concerned with is these exiles, this remnant. The people that are there are on his heart. The people that are there are on his heart. There are unknown people to you and I that God will place on our heart in this process. And will draw us to the place where we recognize that there are people that are in great distress. These people that come to Planned Parenthood, these people that come to get an abortion, they are in great distress. Why are they in this place? Because like Nicole, they wonder, they fear if there is any hope. For their child. What if I can't give them a good life? What if I can't care for them? What if I'm not enough? These are the people that are in distress. And so Nehemiah fasts and he prays. Look at chapter 2. This is the first verse of chapter 2. It says, in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. Here is the, the story. Here's the story. He fasts and prays. He enters this deep prayer. We see in chapter 1 this beautiful prayer of Nehemiah and his longing to go and to help and to be a part of not just rebuilding and restoring gates, but seeing people restored in God. Seeing people restored in God. And we find out at the end of chapter 1 that he's a cupbearer. He's this one who, who, who tests the wine, who cares for, who brings wine to the king. And then we find this in the month of Nisan. Two different months. The month of Chislev in chapter 1 and the month of Nisan in chapter 2. You know what the difference is between these two months? Four. Four months before Nehemiah ultimately gets to come before the king and God in this incredible, sovereign and beautiful way allows him to go, this cupbearer who had, should have no privilege and opportunity to go to the land, to go back to Jerusalem, to go back to restore these things. The first thing he does is he fasts and prays and it's four months before this happened. Do you know what that shows us? It didn't start when he went. It started when he prayed. Prayer is action. For you and I, we're going to embark this week on the opportunity. to. Today we know. Today we've been confronted with statistics, facts, a doctrinal understanding, albeit a brief one, hopefully a theological understanding, that God loves life. 
And now we know what we're called to do. We're going to pray and fast on Wednesday, and we're going to go on Saturday. So here's the time of response this morning. I want to ask Paxton to come, um, and he's, he's going to play for us. But here's how we're going to respond as we're, as we're really already nearing our time today. Response looked different last week than the week before, right? We did something really unique. 9 o'clock service crushed it. I think they really got it. 10 1045 service, a lot of us just decided, hey, you know, I think we might be ending early today, and we're just going to walk out. Uh, and so it, it got weird, right? But, but I'm, I've learned I've got to get better directions and more clarity. So here's what we're going to do today. This is the time of response. We're going to walk out here and go to this table, and we're going to commit. We're going to commit to go walk and to, and to fast and pray. Can we do that together? Y'all are looking at me like Mia looked at me and said I was sassy. Can we do this together? Truly, could we do this? I mean, I'm talking to you right now. Can we do this? I believe we can do this. Really, we can. God would call us to be a part of his saving of life. Look, Jennifer and Shailene know, and, I've, and if you talk with them... You can hear stories of what God has done. People they've encountered, both men and women, who have come to this place and have chosen life. Who have, who have been to a, to a mobile unit where, where they see and they, they literally get a sonogram. They get a picture of this baby. And 70% of the time or more, they choose life. But how are we going to support that? If there's a Nicole in Chelsea, would she recognize us? Would she know us to be a place where she could come? Because this is what we're called to do as the church. Not to, not to, we're going to pray for love life, but we're more than pray for them. We're going to pray with them. And we're going to take part in this ministry with them. So we don't say that, that I hope it works out for Nicole or, or, we're going to pray for Nicole, but we're also going to pray with Nicole. The Nicole that would come to us, what if she needs financial support? Are we as a church going to give it to her? Yes. What if she needs emotional support? She needs a friend. She lost her this person she thought was her best friend. Some of you are going to be Shelley's. Some of you God is calling to, when this happens, when, when inevitably we encounter someone who has a need here, that God would call us to come alongside and disciple and to truly befriend them and to spiritually walk them through the truth of the gospel so that they can know who Jesus is, how loved they are, that, that God delights in them, and that they are carrying the very image of God. So this morning, uh, I'd love for you to stand. Um, this is what response time looks like. We depend on the Lord. And so often, um, look, every one of us in here that has, that has trusted Christ, it is because we've heard the gospel from someone. You and I have the opportunity today to take a journey, to take a step, to be a part of and connect with a ministry that has come to be a, to, to, to be in our church. Jennifer is not coming to announce this thing. Jennifer is a member here. She, her and, and Todd, her family, they, they're a part of you and me. We get to partner with them to see life 
preserved, life sustained, life experienced, abundant life in Jesus Christ. Um, so pretend the love life table today, like approach it with the vigor and the enthusiasm that it's like the last one of a kind Atlanta Braves World Series merch there's ever been. All right? Let's go commit and say we're going to be there with our family. We're going to go pray. And I pray this morning, too, that, that we'd be praying with our spouses, our friends, our family, our neighbors, those of us that we're connected in community with, that we would be obedient to God's call, whatever it may be in this process, to be a Shelly, to support a baby shower, to go and pray consistently, not just on Saturdays, but maybe on Tuesdays with Jennifer and Shelly, to find opportunities to minister. God has given us his peace by his Holy Spirit through the life, death, and resurrection of his son. God sees us and hears us. He's created us in his image for his glory. Can we embrace that by showing that to others? We're going to get extra, extra anticlimactic here at the end of the service uh, because today is also a really important day. Uh, We have a budget to present. Um, so if you are interested, there is a budget at Connection Point that is available uh, for both of our campuses, Mount Laurel and Chelsea. We'll be voting on that on November 7th, but that's available today. We have life. Can we be people that preserve life and give life to others? God has called us to it. Not just in word, as we see in First John, but in action. May we go love our brothers and sisters, even those we don't yet know. May we all... Thank you.